The Sport Industry Access Podcast, episode 158. What human needs do you need to be an effective football coach? Welcome to another episode of the Sport Industry Access Podcast. I'm your host, Ed Bowers. As always, my goal each week is to interview special guests around the world who are an expert in a specific field in the sports industry, especially if you have an interest in pursuing a career as a football coach. I hope today's episode can be useful to you with regards to your interests and needs. Now, getting back to today's show, this week's special guest is Mary Cock Willinson. Mary has a fascinating football career journey. She is a professional football coach and currently the CEO of the Holland Football University, where her vision is to really help as many players and coaches and football organisations grow with equal access so they can develop to become the best versions of themselves on and off the pitch. For that reason, it's brilliant to have Mary on the show and that's why in today's episode, Mary will share her football career journey and explain the human needs to be an effective coach. Mary, it's great to have you on the show. Please can you explain to the listeners your sports career journey. Thanks, Ed, for having me here. Well, uh, my sports career journey started as a player. Um, so I was playing on the streets like every typical Dutch kid uh, in, the, in the generation of uh, 1980. And uh, I always wanted to be Marco van Basten. Um, he was in 1988 scoring an incredible goal against uh, uh, Russia. And what strikes me is how inspiring he was to so many people. And I wanted to be like him also. So I practiced bicycle kicks and, you know. And uh, when I was 16, I also saw how much impact I could have on players, boys and girls, to improve them as a player. And from the perspective out of becoming the best player in the world, I started to realize I liked it even better to help players become the best players in the world. So it changed at my 16s from being the best player to becoming the best coach I could be. So next dream I was wanting to be Louis van Gaal. And what I liked about Louis van Gaal is he never chose the easy way, you know, to go for the Galacticos, uh, the big stars. But he always looked at players at their potential and not at what they were at that moment, but what they could be. And that was something that my new dream became becoming the best coach and giving talent a chance. So uh, I then continued my education, got my UEFA A uh, with, uh, with Ajax, uh, working there uh, as 19 year old and uh, Mido and Slatan Ibrahimovic came in as 19 years old also. So it was uh, interesting, Wesley Snyder. Uh, and then I saw, I see how these boys are facilitated in becoming the best players they can be but why not having the same facilities also for girls? And, you know, that hit me. So what if I could uh, give b- girls the same professional development, what will they turn out to be then? So that was for me the reason in 2006 to uh, start with FC Twente, uh, start a professional girls academy, the first one in Holland at that 
at that moment and also start professional women's soccer in Holland because there was no professional women's soccer. So in 2007, we um, had a first professional women's team and two months later, the federation decided to set up the Eredivisie. So now we also had a league to play in. So it was great. We have um, had nine years where we built homegrown players into a dynasty in Holland that still up to today beats Ajax with double uh, the budget because it's integrated now with homegrown players still making the core of the team and it was 2015 when the club got in financial problems that they felt they were forced to leave the professional girls academy and send the girls back to amateur clubs and that was interesting to me because in top sports you always believe it's about winning prizes but we became a dynasty we won all the prize you can think of but still it wasn't priceless the girls were sent home just because they were girls and couldn't make direct money and that that was my last dream that made the change it was not anymore about becoming the best coach but it was about how to make sure that we create a world where kids are giving the chance to develop their talents and um, knowing that we can do it by working together not in a separate women world but boys and girls and men and women working together why are we giving the signal that you're only professional uh, when you're a boy or a man why not having the the possibility that boys and girls can grow into professional players at a young age and that triggered me why are we still discussing quota in the top in in holland at the entrepreneurs world while we already separate boys and girls from early age and i think that 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 was my um, it was my wake up call. My son of eight years old, I was done with women's soccer. You know, nothing really changed. And my son of eight years old at that moment asked me like, "Mom, but you know, it's not fair." And I said, "Well, what?" He was going to bed, and I asked to that, qu- and I listened to his question. He said, "Well, the girls of FC Twente cannot do anything about it. That they're born like girls." And you know, when you're a parent and you have to answer that question it's it makes you think what am i going to say am i going to tell my son that with girls we cannot make any money and with boys we can so in that way in the adult world we have to release the girls and send them back to an amateur club is it that i'm going to say to him yeah as grown-up we believe in gender equality but not when it's it's not suiting us then we decide different So it made me realize that I can set up professional girls academies. I can win prizes, but it won't be priceless. So then it made me realize he is now getting the message that it doesn't matter how talented you are as a girl. As a boy, you don't have to be as talented as they, but you still get the chance to develop your talent. I think we (coughs) really need to look at that message. So that was my last dream, to make sure that we create um, total performance and total development, uh, total football, together for boys, girls, men and women. Just on that note, because it's, I'm so glad we brought this up, and it's a reason why we're at the Athens Women's Football Summit. I heard Mary do a presentation, and her enthusiasm as a coach is unbelievable. I was literally blown away off my seat. And I'm going to ask quite a, a to-the-point question, if this is okay with you. Mm-hmm. What is the reality of you know a coach a women coach in sort of a soccer environment could you just explain some of your experiences but 
where it is now, what is the reality to be a women's football coach? Well, one of the things is um, it's hard when you don't have a clear pathway of perspective. And um, that is something that is still the case. So when I was 18 and starting my coach's career, the examples, the role models that I had were Louis van Gaal. But I never saw a woman working in a professional men's world. So to me, I grew up with the idea that when we talk about professional football, only the men know it. That was the, the image that I was shown to. I didn't saw it was a pathway for me to be a woman working at Ajax. And I think it's difficult when you don't have that perspective not to um, be able to follow that pathway to do it. But I wanted to do it. I didn't want to go to America because there was a pathway for women coaches. I wanted to make a change in Holland, create my own pathway and perspective in Holland. So I, de I decided to do that. But for a lot of female coaches, it's they're investing already in themselves as players. Uh, because, for example, when we were at FC Twente, the men trained six times a week. And after the training, they went home and relaxed. The girls, after their training, they hopped on their bike, went to university, study, went back, didn't even have time to eat or relax and had, had to go back for the second training. And they had to do a small job next to it, Ed, to make a living. So these women invested already as a player, as a student. And when they finally end their play, they didn't have any financial income uh, as, as a reserve. No, then they had to start their job life because they had to be able to pay for the rent so when we look at why isn't that that many women coaches are in a women's football maybe it also has to do something with they have had the degrees not in coaching while they were playing they had the degrees in marketing they studied at berkeley they studied it they studied science so when they finally stopped playing it was okay now i have to find a serious job because i cannot invest anymore so where men might say okay now i'm going i'm I, i've done playing i've built some reserves for the next five years I can figure out what I'm going to do. Let's start a coaching job. Let's start a, a TV analyst job. I have a reserve. The women don't have it. So <coughs> are we still asking them to invest again, start at grassroots coaching again, pay for coaches courses that they don't know how to pay because they don't have the reserves? We'll still don't having the perspective that they will be able to pay it back because we, we forget that these women while they played, have also built a study depth. <coughs> so when they have done being a player, they still have to pay their study loan back. Can they pay that by a TV analyst job? Can they pay it back because they are now having a reserve as a player? Can they pay it back because they now directly land in a coaching job at a professional club? No, they cannot. By finding a job in the work field that they were educated for. So just to clarify for listeners... In the men's game, everybody, if you get a signed contract with your 17, you're a professional footballer. 
but in the women's game just to clarify it's a dual career that's they're studying or they're doing a job whilst they're a player some don't even get paid and I've learned this at the Athens Women's Football Summit it's literally opened my eyes and it's it means the pathway is totally different and I really want to highlight this on the show it's education to sport it's all about putting this you said this word a few times into perspective Mm -hmm. and I wanted to highlight on the show but getting back to the coaching philosophy now I really want to dig deep here because we said this off the air coaching is coaching doesn't matter if it's to a male or female so you've got a fantastic coaching philosophy could you just explain your coaching journey of how you've built your philosophy over the years well one of the things that I looked at in the coaching journey it's like we decided to so when FIFA decided to invest in women's football we just build another pillar next to men's football so now all of a sudden we develop women coaches in women's football but it means a pathway for them maybe to work every three weeks with a U19 national team. But being a coach, it's about being driving your car. You never drive, learn how to drive a car by getting through your theory exam. It's about you becoming a good driver by making a lot of hours. And when we don't create the pathway for women to make a lot of coaching hours because we only put them in women's football where there are no professional academies where there are no professional clubs that work on a daily base and we only create a pathway to working in women's football federations it means they always have a backpack with not enough experience being explained to them when they go for a job so it means we create a niche where we develop these women in football these female coaches that are never going to be able to work in men's football because then they say, well, you don't have experience in men's football. But even because they make so less hours to be on the field and in a daily environment, it means when women football players are professionalizing, they also choose then a professional men's coach that had the flight hours already in men's football. So I think what we're doing is we want to invest in women's football, but we shouldn't make the mistakes of making a different a different pillar because mm. coaching it's about um, developing people through certain competences and you have to develop that in the males and a, and a females world just on that note with regards to your coaching experience there's one area i find really interesting with regards to the human needs because you talked about it just now coaching is about developing people could you just explain this little snapshot of how you've applied this human needs to when you've been working with these footballers Well, I think uh, one of the things that um, I try to do with my company, Holland Football University, it's about total football and total performance. And I think we we, um, don't, we fell short on developing our players. What we do as coaches, we coach them on tactics and on skills, on technical skills, because we believe that's what we're equipped for and that's our job. But I think we feel we feel uh, we fail short on our players while we only see them as a player, in a way like an asset. I think if you want to have better players, it's about creating better people and having people around you that are uh, focused on developing the full potential you bring. When I work with my players, it's not ab- only about training their skills it's about helping them find clarity in their dreams 
how they want to be in the world, how they want to show up as a as a friend, as a family member, as a student, as a football player. You know, it's we fell short when we see a play- player only as a player. And I think that is one of the key elements I want to change, that we should take responsibility of caring for our players as human beings first instead of only talking about football. And with regards to coaches now making decisions, you shared a great example where in your presentation where you had to make a big call by like dropping eight players. Was it dropping eight players or cutting eight players? I want to word it right. Well, uh, when I started at FC Twente, I had eight national team players yeah, that were on the roster. Um, and we were ending last on the table the first season. And I went to uh, my president and I said, I want to release those eight players. And he said, are you serious? You ended up last on the table and you want to r- release your best players? And I told him, well, the question is, the question should be, what are the best players for the vision we have? and not the best players for the results at this moment. Because when you are only focusing on the results and the statistics, you will never create a legacy. And I think if you want to create a legacy, that's the first question you have to start thinking about. So these national team players were at that point maybe the best players in Holland within their skill assets. But they might have been not the players who were able to make another transition to working six times a week um, a training at the highest level um, still removing their plateau and I think that is important to see when you have big stars on your team are they still the leaders you want or are they the best players that might not be the best example of leadership you want to bring to your younger players So yeah, I released the eight national team players. I didn't have any budget to get new players. So my president was, of course, happy with that. And I released eight expensive players and I and he could tell me, but you don't have any budget. So I told him, it's okay. I, I get my eight U16 players to my first team. And why that was? Because those eight U16 players, they were so hungry to become the best that they could be that they needed other leaders around them. Um, so yeah, it's it's about your job. Um, you think of as a coach, like okay, if I'm going to fail now, it, it's my last job. But one of the competence I think you need to have as a leader is courage. You need to have courage to overthink decisions that are more important than you personally. And sometimes I l- I see that not happening in the football world it's only about playing it safe and if you talk about the six human needs one of them is certainty uh, and certainty is if, if that really so everyone has the six human needs i i don't make it up it, it's scientifically proven but everyone has the six human needs it's about certainty uncertainty it's about significance it's about connection it's about growth and it's about contribution and every one of us has two Um, uh, favorites that really relate to how you behave and what what you choose to do and how you show up and when you are living out of these two priorities you feel unhappy and a lot of the coaches are playing it safe uncertainty because they don't want to lose their job while their players might have growth and significance as their two key motivators so when you 
are forced in a circumstance that your coach only wants to play out of certainty, like uh, the Dutch national women's team in 2015. And the team wanted to leave a legacy and wanted to inspire the next generation of boys or girls. It means you need to have a coach. And that's the thing. They brought in a coach whose first job it was to be a national team coach in her own country with only five months of preparation. And she had to get the team ready. So 99 out of 100 coaches would choose to continue the work of a defensive organization, not to get too many goals ahead, and then try to play counter-attacking. She listened to the needs of her team, and she said, okay, what you guys create, if that's your vision, it's what we all will support. So now she moved to them and said, okay, we're not going to play on defense and uncertainty. We're going to play adventurous. We want to inspire people that come and watch us play. And those coaches that are bold and courageous, those are the coaches I wish players would have a lot more. But those are also the presidents I wish players had to work with more. I find this really fascinating, Mary, and just in the moment, um, reflecting right now, and you decided to be a coach despite the challenges, reflecting right now, um, how has coaching, how has coaching developed you as a person in general? I think it developed in me when I started working with 16, uh, a 16-year-old with seeing Uh, how I could be able to influence boys and girls with the same dreams. Um, It was that moment that I realized that I could bring so much more value than me just having fun as a player. That I I decided that I might be not Marco van Basten, being the best player in the world, but there was no barrier for me to think about why can I not be the best coach in the world. And that was something that really, at that point, resonated with me. There's no limit for me why I shouldn't become the best coach in the world. I can just hear your enthusiasm. Seriously, I can. Like, I've just seen you grow throughout this conversation, and, and that's why I admire the most from you. And we've talked about the challenges of a women's coach, and I've highlighted that again because it just emphasizes of your career journey. Now, with regards to what you're currently doing, what inspired you to do your academy? Because, if I'm correct, you're sort of pivoting your career now you're, you're not doing much on the pitch you're mm-hmm. sort of off the pitch trying to build another legacy yeah. with this academy could you just explain why you've done that decision and how are you sort of coping in this career transition now yeah. well um, as a coach I was on the field with 20 players that I could influence and I saw players like Sarif and Venendal now the FIFA best goalkeeper of the world uh, and Anouk Dekker like six players out of the national Dutch team I started working with as amateurs like 10 years ago and I saw that they were the next role models for this generation and I decided that if I want to leave a legacy I cannot focus only on 20 players anymore but I need to find a way that I can um, help more boys and girls and more coaches to develop their potential. I never expected Sari and Shanice within 10 years to play at the best clubs in the world, to be the role models for boys and girls. But I think that is what excites me. As adults, 
we don't know what they will become. But I know one thing, they will surprise us when we do give them the chance. So I decided how can I give as many players the chance to develop their potential because I believe then they can create a better world. And why not use football with that? So when I related that to my first dream of becoming Marco van Basten, I decided what can be the most beautiful goal that I now want to make. And I think the most beautiful goals in the world are the global goals. So how can we use football as a, as a tool to score global goals? And the global goals I want to focus on, because I cannot focus on all the 17 United Nations goals, but let's say I focus on global five, uh, promoting gender equality through football. So what if I set up football equals academies? And as it says, equals, where boys and girls are working daily together to improve themselves and each other. What if I create those football equals academies where male and female coaches are working already side by side to develop these talents and being already the diverse role models and uh, pathway role models for boys and girls that they see, hey, it's a woman that can help me as a boy developing myself as a professional and it's a man. I don't see the difference anymore. <coughs> and I think that's what we're lacking. The girls only see men as the role models that are responsible developing the professional academy, uh, professional development. Boys only see male coaches being the role models that are responsible for developing their professional development. So if we want to change that perspective, we have to change the situation first. So we need to create a new naturalness where everyone sees it doesn't matter about gender. It's really just about quality. And we... We do it by saying it as common sense. The only problem is that it's not common practice. And I decided to do something like that. So it's gender equality, Global Goal 5. It's reducing inequality. So the football world, a lot of money is going on there. But it's about taking responsibility also. So when we get talented players from Africa, we say, <laughs> great, they didn't organize the system there yet. So we get them for 16 balls and uh, 20 pair of football shoes and we take them very cheap and we laugh ourselves a headache, you know? I think it's about that, taking responsibility that you don't say because there are no rules for this, I can get away with things easy. I think it's about taking leadership and responsibility for, okay, these clubs in Africa that don't have any money, but still put their time, effort and knowledge in developing these kids, as soon as I transfer a player from there, I make sure that they can continue the good work there. And it's not, on the, it's not a rule, but it's, I think, moral responsibility. And I want to use football also to apply to that moral responsibility because the world is not in lack of talent. The world is in lack of moral leadership. And I think... In football, we should, we should show it because there are stakeholders of every field around us that are looking at it like that. So we need more leaders that don't do things because it's financial good for them or it's in the rules. We need leaders that show the values of being great human beings first. And also creating like a professional system as well. Like that's another thing 
I've learned speaking to you and I feel like we've sort of gone full circle. The beginning, you were yeah. talking about Lewis van Gaal as a role model. Mm-hmm. Now you're creating a system of young coaches, young players, mm-hmm. women coaches or women players or men coaches or male uh, players as the next role models. It's, it's quite a fascinating chat of how the beginning of your career journey, we're putting in this new philosophy and out of interest, what have you been up to recently? So the Football Equals Foundation, uh, we started three years ago. Uh, So my ambition with that is in 2025 to have a Football Equals Academy on each continent. Um, Monday I leave to to Africa to set up a Football Equals Academy Africa. And the model is that it's, as grown-ups, we're all used to networking. You know, we're all talking about the importance of having a network. But why not setting up a network for our kids? of uh, kids who have the same dreams and have the same ambitions and have the same challenging uh, of, of getting there. So our players of the Football Equals Academy Holland can really become sponsors of the kids in Africa. It doesn't cost that much money, but it already teaches them that you're never too small or too young to make a difference in the world. So that is one thing that I, I'm doing right now, setting up Football Equals Academies in, in the world. And the second thing is, um, with my company, Holland Football University, I want to educate as many coaches and players uh, as I can to total football and total performance. And uh, speaking not this message only to football coaches, because it relates also to the corporate world. Yeah, The whole ecosystem in the football industry as well, that's a really important factor. Just going back to your career now, what have you enjoyed the most from your career journey in coaching looking back right now? Definitely the impact you can have um, in um, having children and male and women overcoming obstacles and, and realizing their potential. And that is what I love about coaching. It's, it's you help people to become who they can become instead of only working with the people as the persons that they are now. It's great when I worked with Sari van Venendaal when she came in and she said, Mary, I'm afraid to come to your club uh, because I think I'm going to become second goalkeeper again. And I told her, if within one year you're not the national goalkeeper number one, you have done something wrong. And she was looking at me out of her perception at that moment like, what are you talking about? I'm a second goalkeeper with a club. What do you mean with I should be the number one goalkeeper of Holland? And when I see her now, I see her having integrated it. Because one month before the World Cup, she was a second goalkeeper again. But what she learned during the pathway was it didn't matter that her coach put her on the bench as second goalkeeper. It was up to her to decide if she wanted to be a leader or not. So to everyone, it might be coming as a surprise that all of a sudden the second goalkeeper became the captain of Holland and then also three weeks later become the best goalkeeper in the world. It's because what accountability and leadership can do with people to to grow their potential. And that's what I love about coaching. It comes back to self-development. Mary, I could talk longer on this and I found it so fascinating, but I'd like to finish with an inspirational question. Now to any young coach who's just starting out if they're starting out after university or at any stage, what three tips would you give them? Well, the first thing, it's about creating your own performance compass. It's not about seeing yourself as a player, but thinking about who do I want to be in total? Who do I want to be as a friend? How do I want to show up in the world? 
And when you're talking about a football perspective, is how do I see myself as a player? And who is my role model as a player? I mean, the great thing about this time frame is that I had to go to a library to rent books. But now this generation ads can listen to your podcast. This generation can look on YouTube, you know, to find uh, information. And I think if you decide you want to improve, don't leave the responsibility to the federations. And that's a complaint I hear a lot. <laughs> It's about taking ownership of your own development. So what can you do today to have an impact on your own growth? Absolutely. Your self-development, your education never, never stops. Mary, how can people interact with you on social media? Uh, well, uh, if they're interested in taking coaches courses, they can go to uh, hollandfootballuniversity.com. Um, so uh, for coaches, education in Holland or local, we can organize coaches courses. Um, yeah, I can uh, work as a speaker uh, at events to inspire people on, on this. And if they want to support the Football Equals Foundation as companies uh, taking the pledge and the challenge with us to create diversity in their working force, they can go to footballequalsfoundation.com. Footballequals.com. Am I allowed to put your LinkedIn profile? Is that cool on the blog? Yes. Okay, cool. You can. Fantastic. <laughs> so on the blog, everybody, there'll be Mary's like connection details. Mary's, it's been such a pleasure chatting with you today. Thank you very much. Thanks, Ed, for doing the great work. <coughs> Because maybe I forgot the third thing. And the third thing is people need to know that it's not about showing up one day. It's about um, having the grit, like Angela Duckworth says, about, about showing up every day when there are no big spotlights on you. It's about what, what's happening when uh, you are in the, in the streets of Africa and no one is there to help you to show up every day to do become the best you can be and that's what you're doing it's about people saying great job at keep up with this and they leave you and when the spotlights are gone it's about what do you choose to do are you only on when the spotlights are on you will never become the best version you are but what what you do in every moment in every day your day is just your life in miniature So decide today, what is your day going to be? Because that will become your life. Wow, what a really fascinating podcast chat with Mary. Like really, I really enjoyed that experience speaking to Mary in person with regards to this podcast chat. And we spoke about some really important topics and they've got to be highlighted again with regards to where women coaches are in today's society. The career path is not there And with regards to how Mary has hustled, managed to figure it out, build that experience and portfolio with regards to her career journey, with regards to having those role models in place, just shows with regards to her character. And I'm going to share with you a story now with regards to how I met Mary in person with regards to the Athens Women's Football Summit. She came to the event the night before with regards to preparing herself for the first day. And I literally just finished a podcast chat with somebody and she introduced herself and she said, I love the podcast show, Ed, and asked her, why are you here? She said, I'm just preparing for tomorrow. It's going to be a long day. And she was doing uh, some moderating, very, like, very much like me. I was doing my first ever moderating session. But then the day came. The next day, Mary was full on putting in the work hustling she did two moderating sessions she was a panelist I think for two and she also did a little keynote presentation she did not stop from the start of that day to the end so the one thing I've learned 
from Mary is you've got to show up with regards to her career guidance she's given you on this podcast chat, but is also putting in the reps. And she did that that day. And I think it's very important for me to highlight this story with you because, it again, it relates to being a leader. It relates to showing that courage, despite that she was put on the, stop, uh, on the spot with regards to doing something different. She's never done moderating before. Yes, she's had the, she's had the skill sets with regards to a coaching experience, but to put it in practice in front of a, an audience for the first time takes guts. So... What I'm trying to share with you is coaching is a skill set. You can apply the principles of coaching into different walks of life. And that's what I wanted to share with you now. But with regards to this podcast chat, I hope you've enjoyed it as much as I have. From a sports career guidance perspective, I really do hope you put those human needs into practice relating to your coaching philosophy but also with regards to your self-development. So look, I look forward to hearing more about your coaching philosophy and how this episode has helped you. Keep up the great work you're doing and take action. Now, as always, at the end of each podcast episode, I like to finish with an inspirational quote from my guest speaker. Mary said, create your own performance compass. Think about who you want to be. And most importantly, think about how you want to show up to the world.